Welcome back to the Heat Check Podcast Live. I am your host, Chris Patrick, back and better than ever here in 2023. Of course, with my co-host, Mr. Michael Benjamin, this way. How are you doing tonight, sir? What up? What up, Chris? I'm doing great, man. How are you today? Man, I'm good. I'm feeling good. I've been excited about this all day. Um, like I was kind of saying there, it's been a while since we've done a live stream. Uh, we've been doing a little bit of some other things, but I felt like it was time, man, to get back in here. So no better way to kick it off than a, than a heat check live and, and plenty to talk about. Um, how's your new year, though, man? want to know. You know, it was good. I had a great time. We celebrated Tallman's birthday. Um, it's pretty cool to have your birthday on, on New Year's Eve. Just always an excuse to have a party and have a good time. Um, and then we were in Vegas last weekend for his bachelor party. Lots of fun with that, too. Um, first weekend of NFL playoffs. We saw some crazy games. And then here in the Valley, dude, we've already seen a lot of movement, a lot of new people coming in, right? You know, Suns owner Matt Ishbia is going to make his first appearance tonight at the Suns versus Brooklyn Nets game. I think that game is probably going on right now. Hopefully we're not getting killed already. Yeah, I think it just started. And then the Cardinals hired a new GM. But before we get into all that, Chris, I'll pass it back over to you so you can lead us off. Yeah, man. Like you said, a lot, a lot has happened. It's just we're 19 days in. It's it's the 19th of January when we're recording this. Um, for those of you watching live, thanks for being here. Anybody listening back on the playback, we appreciate you also. Uh, we like to get these up on those streaming platforms. Uh, so you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and really it's good, it goes out to all the most popular uh, podcast streaming platforms. So look for us. Of course, you can see down below other social medias at AZ underscore VSP for Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And then, of course, right here on YouTube, Valley Sports Plug. And it's important that you're following us on all of our social medias so you can hear when we do some promotions and uh, maybe some giveaways. Uh, Mike, we have something like that going on right now, right? We do. We have a Phoenix Suns two free ticket giveaway Ooh. for the January 30th game against the Toronto Raptors. Section 109, row 11. Pretty damn good seats if you ask me. That post on Instagram, it went live on Monday, had some awesome interaction with it already, got some new Valley faces in here, got some new subscribers. Hopefully we get some to tune in and become part of this conversation because that's what this is all about, right? We are fans here for the fans, and we're talking about our favorite teams here in Arizona. So you got a couple more days, about a, well, about a week more. Uh, to tell your friends, you know, like that post, follow us on Instagram, tag three friends and make sure you subscribe here. You got to do all of that to make sure that you're part of the draw. So I've already been trying to tell some people on Instagram who I wasn't sure if they followed us on uh, here on YouTube, but, you know, got a couple of days to double check, make sure all that stuff is in a row before our drawing, which is going to take uh, take place on January 27th. So tell your friends. Absolutely. No, no way you can miss out on this opportunity. The picture in the Instagram post that you can see the sun's court, that is your view from the seats. So you, so, you know, and that's, so that's a pretty, pretty damn good, uh, good spot to be watching the game. At. I've been there at that in those exact seats with Michael Benjamin. It's a blast. It's a great angle. Uh, like I think I said before, Michael Benjamin calls it the 2k view because you're watching the play develop from the back end. Um, Hopefully it's better when you got the suns coming down, but either way, it, it's always good. Yeah, you can hear the shoes squeak. You can almost 
smell the sweat from the players on the floor. I don't know if that's my favorite thing, but, you know, go, just going back to my days uh, <laughs> as a ball boy. Um, but, you know, make sure you enter. We want to give those away to some people and, and get you to a Suns game. And that might be right around the time frame when our boy Devin Booker is back. So I'm crossing my fingers for the folks who win it uh, for that to happen for sure. Yeah, it's, I'm gonna. I'm gonna really excited. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, we're gonna try and come up with a fun way to maybe live stream the drawing, um, so you know it's fair and legitimate. Come up with a method for it. But right now, it's just important that, like Michael Benjamin said, you're you're commenting on Instagram, following on Instagram, following on uh, YouTube right here, and and tell all your friends about it, and you know make a deal with them. If you tell them about it, they gotta take you if they win. Easy as that. But Mike, you you did say there a lot of the things that are going on in the Valley right now with the Cardinals, the Suns, um, mainly the the Cardinals and Suns. Uh, I don't know. I think we need to start focusing maybe a little bit more on what the Coyotes are doing in 2023, uh, much to maybe VSP Tallman's chagrin. But we'll, we'll navigate that as we see fit. But for right now, I think I want to kind of talk to you about kind of some of the craziness we saw in Wild Card Weekend and, and those games. And so just looking at at where it start, all started on Saturday morning with the Seahawks versus 49ers at halftime, it looked like it could be a game. It was 17 to 16. Uh, and then the 49ers just ran away with it. Brock Purdy is looking like the man. Um, I mean, I, we can talk about the game specifically, but more broadly, what kind of implications does this have for our outlook of the NFC West going forward with this type of talent in the division yeah i mean we were thinking about this might be the year for the cardinals to capitalize right we finally saw russell wilson one of our biggest nemesis nemesis that's a word right uh, one of our biggest <laughs> nemesis in the nfc west from the seattle seahawks finally leave we thought the seattle seahawks were going to be a train wreck um you didn't know what you were really going to get from san francisco with their choice to go with Trey Lance and then Los Angeles, they they're coming off of a Super Bowl win. So the Super Bowl hangover is a real thing and they got bit by that big time this year, but we had some crazy things just go certain ways. I mean, it, Geno Smith looked like a guy who is uh, having a resurgence in his career. I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle brings him back next year and lets it let just rolls him out there once again. And the 49ers, once you lose Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo, you think to yourself, okay, there's no chance. I know how great their defense is. But that scheme and those weapons that they have are just clicking at the right time. And Brock Purdy is just leading the ship exactly how he has to. I know that game against Seattle this past weekend, he was a little bit off to start the game, had some balls sailing, but... He finished strong and it ended up being a blowout. And that's what you want, right? You fight through that adversity. So the Cardinals have some catching up to do. And, you know, a lot of it's going to come down to what happens with Kyler Murray, how he comes back from that injury, and how you build this offensive and defensive lines because the game is won in the trenches. And right now those are our weakest points. And we're soft there. And it was very apparent this entire year. I mean, we've been down this road plenty of times, so we're trying to look forward as best as we can. <laughs> but that's just where it stands right now. The Cardinals finished last for a reason, whereas you know these other teams, 
they were able to fight through adversity to where they get to. Now, maybe you might not say that about the Los Angeles Rams, but they had major injuries to their quarterback. Their number one wide receiver, Cooper Cup, goes down as well. And sometimes you just kind of toss that one up because you did win a championship last year. So <laughs> I think Rams fans will be okay with what happened this year and just try and, and rebuild and reset. Yeah, I feel like a bobblehead over here because I'm just agreeing with all the great points you're making. It's, It truly is, uh, you know, I think a grim outlook. I mean, the two best teams in our division, the Seahawks and 49ers, going head-to-head. And it's not like the Seahawks did terrible. Of course, like you said, Geno Smith, he's kind of had a resurgence, of course, coming from the Jets. But you look at this game, even Geno Smith, 230, I'm sorry, 253 yards passing, 23 of 35, two touchdowns. DK Metcalf had 10 receptions, 136 yards and two touchdowns. That's a guy the Cardinals could have had. Um, and a guy in Brock Purdy, like you said, a couple errant throws, but overall finished 18 of 30, 332 on yards and three touchdowns himself. And I don't think he's lost since he took over the reins at, at starter. And you can argue, and we've said, like, he does have the weapons. He has Christian McCaffrey, Eli Mitchell, George Kittle, Debo Samuel. I think Debo Samuel's healthy, right? Is he playing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So all those guys, man, they're, they're firing. They're healthy. And then you add in that Kyle Shanahan is their coach. Um, a guy that's proven to be successful when it comes to coaching and uh, formulating an offense. So I'm I'm nervous that the you know the 49ers have seemed to, in such a short time, maybe a decade or so, had three separate times where they were good, bad, good, bad, good, and they can turn it around and make it to the playoffs and be competitive. Whereas the Cardinals have just been sitting here spinning their wheels, and I think a lot of that will. Of course, you can say it has to do with Steve Keim. He's the common denominator and the guy that's been here that that same time period. So with him out now and Austin Fort, is it Austin Fort? Mm-hmm. Monty Austin Fort in? Monty. Um, another I Monty. Another yeah. Monty. Another Monty in Phoenix. I watched his press. Mike, did you watch his press conference at all? Uh, I just kind of caught snippets and, you know, listening to other outlets uh, of the media. You know, he had some good points. Um, so uh, just a little bit at, at this point, definitely got to dive into that a little bit farther. Yeah, I was really uh, trying to, I did watch a little bit of, I didn't watch all of it, I'll admit, but I do agree with you. There were some points he was making there about uh, a culture that lacked discipline and how it's going to be really about accountability and, and that discipline aspect. So I hope that whoever they get and end up hiring as their head coach, I imagine would have that kind of same approach and mentality and it's something that i think we really need i i believe it was on the cardinal social media page i saw they had posted a picture um when the press conference was happening and everything of him and buddha baker shaking hands and i think that's one guy on this roster who you could tell in watching hard knocks was just really frustrated with the direction of the team and the way that things were I, I can't even say we're getting done. I would say the way that things weren't getting done. And he, he's literally crying, pleading with his teammate. And I know we joke about it, but really it just it just seems like they're just waiting to go home and play Call of Duty and then show up and make waffles in the practice film room and be on hard knocks and dick around. It's just embarrassing, man. And Cardinals fans, Arizona sports fans, we all deserve so much better. Anyone who's been loyal to this Cardinals team deserves better because – 
honestly, this false bill of goods that's been sold to us time and time again and the lack of stability. I think we had a false sense of stability in the Larry Fitzgerald years because he was that guy who was constantly there and constantly make, making other people look good and being that professional. And once he was gone, these last couple seasons, it's just been a mess. Um, kind of all over the place with this rant on going off, spurring off a question about the 49ers. <laughs> but boy, if you guys can't tell, it's been a couple weeks. It's been like three weeks, I think, since we did a live stream. So I got a lot of pent up thoughts and feelings on these teams. So I was going to say, you got a lot to unload, but hey, yeah, man, man, that's what we're here for, right? Exactly. I, I do want to take a look one more time over that wild card weekend and just for the sure. generalities of what we're seeing in the NFL right now. Very exciting, man. Very exciting. Um, I'm still a little bit pissed off at you, Chris. I'm, I'm pointing the finger right at you. Uh oh. You told me that it was supposed to be a downpour and just sludge <laughs> in San Francisco, and what did it ended up being? Freaking sixty-five degrees and sunny. I don't. I don't know if there was any drops of rain, if anything. And man, we, we put money down on that under to hit, and it was almost gone by halftime. I mean, my yeah. goodness. But that's all right. We did have. I just had a feeling about that Jaguars game against the Chargers, and. Ooh, was that one of the more exciting games, more exciting finishes that we've seen uh, in the past couple of years? Might be comparative to that Bills Chiefs, uh, I believe second second weekend matchup last year. Yeah, but we, we were at one point we're walking through the casino. I think uh, the Jags were down like twenty seven to six, and Jacksonville was knocking on the door. And Tallman kind of looked at me and he was like, man, this game's over. And I said, hold on a minute. The optimist in me was basically like, what if they punch it in right here? You got six minutes left in the third quarter. You make some stops. You go down, score again. It could be right back in this. And, and what did we see? The Jaguars team, they just fought. And they they fought to the end. And they made the stops they need. I think there were some, some odd, odd and questionable calls down the stretch by Brandon Staley specifically going for the kick on that fourth and three in, inside the Jaguars 30 yard line, instead of trying to go for it, get the first down and maybe punch it in. Cause you know, you're keeping it at that point, they were up by 10 and kicking the field goal. It's still only a two possession game. Why don't you try and step on their throat and basically kind of end it right there. But you know, love to see guys like Christian Kirk, you know, doing damage, really heavily oh, yeah. involved in that offensive game for the Jaguars. And it was just really one of those exciting finishes, especially when it looked like that field goal was missed. I mean, we were sitting down eating and everybody was kind of just like, uh, I don't know. We had to wait till they actually put their <laughs> hands up yeah. before we really kind of started going crazy. But, you know, Chris... I'm still pointing the finger at you, man. We should have took that over. I had a feeling on that one too. Uh, I, I got to blame Twitter, man, because that's where I've gotten some good betting tips before. I've gotten bad betting tips also, but it wasn't even a betting tip. Well, okay, yes, it was. I lied. It was a picture of earlier in the day. Um, there was a lot of rain on the West Coast that weekend. It was raining in Vegas. It was raining in Phoenix. Um and so it was also raining in California, best I knew. They had been getting historic rain for about a week. And the picture showed it looked like a completely water-soaked field. And I don't know if they 
bust out a group of 25 guys with leaf blowers or what they did to suck all the water off of that field. But Mike, you were right, man. That looked like a sunny day in this, in, in March, like they're just having the best football of their life. And to, what was, what ended up being the, what was it 64? So I, anyone who bet the over, the over was crushed. Um, and I kind of, I guess chose the wrong leg of that, but I think there is something to be said for having picked that Jags leg. I don't think I foresaw it being a last minute walk off field goal, but it was a wild, wild card weekend in general. Cause it went on this on a Sunday, the bills beat the dolphins by three. Uh, that was pretty dramatic, not a dramatic finish, but the, the bills tried to give it away there in the end. Uh, the Giants and Vikings, again, that was kind of back and forth, real chippy matchup. I think the Tallman ticket was uh, broken on that play or on that game. Um, and I think that was the only leg that lost because Tallman also had the Bengals and the, the Cowboys winning. So tough break, man. Tough break on the Tallman ticket. We were this close. We were this close. But I told him, man, freaking Vikings were frauds. And if you got Patrick Peterson on your team, you know what ends up happening? When it comes down to crucial games, you don't win. Uh, you're the one. Hey, you're the <laughs> one who made the gesture. I didn't say choke artist, okay? But you're the one who did it. So we're putting that one on you once again. I'll but, say it. you know, I'll hey, Danny Dimes had a great game. He's another situation where system is really such a key factor in the NFL. You got to have some weapons around you as well. Saquon Barkley's finally healthy, got some better receiver weapons as well. But, you know, he was using his legs, he was making crucial throws. And of course, Kirk Cousins on fourth and eight throws a three yard uh, dump off pass that had no option, no way of getting the first down. Those are always the biggest head scratchers to me. I, I used to see that with the Cardinals a lot when we would go forward on third and eight, or it was third down third and eight and we're throwing two yard in cuts it's like you're not even giving guys opportunities to get the first down what is the point yeah <laughs> and what i think is crazy in in that game with the vikings defense um you, you mentioned i don't know how much patrick peterson was at fault for this but daniel jones had 17 carries for 78 yards like they were just dropping back into coverage and Daniel Jones was like, Oh, I'll walk into a first down. And if you guys just want to let me march down the field like this, like Saquon Barkley only had nine carries in 53 yards. I mean, granted he did punch in two touchdowns, but it's like, come on, man. You're just, you're just giving up how many first downs to the quarterback, just being able to be uncovered walking right, right across. So you, you're hundred percent right. The Vikings were total frauds. We did see that. There was writing on the wall. Uh, was that – did we – no one suggested to Tallman that he take the Vikings, right? That was his own nobody. decision. Okay. Nobody. Okay. No. no. That checks out. It no, wouldn't have been no. me because it wouldn't have been me. That's for sure. I don't trust – and I it's I don't trust Kirk Cousins in the playoffs. Come on, man. It's just the guy who he is what, it is, what he is. You know, the Giants had a really good year. They did falter against some bigger opponents, but they were on the right trajectory. Whereas, yeah, the Vikings had an incredible year, but they had one of the worst point differentials for a team that won as many games in NFL history. You know, I think it was a negative point differential, and they won like 12 games. But Kirk Cousins, he is what it is. 
And I'm just very happy that the Vikings lost because going back to Patrick Peterson's comments about Kyler Murray, keep our names out of your mouth or you will see the karma come and get you at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's just so funny that he, uh, you know, Patrick Peterson trying to act like he's taking the high road or being the, the better guy or something. And like, he doesn't care, but then, We'll go around chirping on podcasts, talking smack about Kyler Murray, and so you know you get you get what what's coming to you. Uh, I think I think what I um, also was curious about from this weekend is the the next game there that Ravens Bengals game. I don't know if you saw on on Twitter, uh, but someone went back and commented on a, a post we had back in week six. I was trying to find it here, but I, I couldn't. Um, and I was basically just making some observations about the league at that time. I think I basically said. Uh, something about Aaron Rodgers is like a fraud. Um, the Steelers defense is good despite having some of their key players injured. And then also that the Bengals were frauds that should have never been in the Super Bowl. Um, and so this person, clearly a Bengals fan, commented basically that I got like two out of three right or something like that. Um, <laughs> and I guess, you know, he's right. The Bengals are going on to the divisional round, but they beat a Ravens team that started Tyler Huntley, their, their second string quarterback. Now I don't want to take anything away from him. It seems like he's getting the job done. He's a pretty good quarterback, but how, how are the Bengals going to stack up against Buffalo coming up this next week? I know again, you can, you can have similar criticisms of Buffalo barely squeaking by the dolphins and their backup quarterback. So I don't know, just is it, do you, do you think that that fan is right in his assessment that I, I maybe, uh, misread the prediction or do you still think I might might be in line that the Bengals are a bit of frauds I don't know I feel like we kind of have a reputation of we're like the two out of three correct podcast or or group you know what I'm saying like the Tallman ticket it's always just right there like we almost are there but no no he's not right I mean you're talking about the Bengals going down late in that fourth quarter uh, uh, if Tyler Huntley actually stretches over and scores that touchdown right there, then they're down late in the fourth quarter against Tyler Huntley. <laughs> I mean, they had to miraculously get a strip on, uh, while he's reaching out, and then Sam Hubbard runs freaking 95, 97 yards to the house for them to win that game. I think one of the other things, too, I was a little bit disappointed in the Buffalo Bills and uh, Josh Allen – his inability to hold on to the football and some of his poor decisions. One thing that we've gotten more common to is that just is kind of who Josh Allen is. He'll make some odd reads and and throw one away once a game. I mean, my goodness, I've had him on my fantasy team the last two years. The guy fumbles every single game. Now, not every time it's, you know, recovered by the defense, but he can't hold on to football. And, not to say that he's reckless, but it's a big part of his game. He's he's stretching out. He's taking hits because he's a big bruising guy. But I think that the Bills more so put themselves in a hole and, and made that game closer than it should have ever been with the amount of turnovers that they had. I mean, at one point, I think they were up 20 to zero. So that game could have been a 49 to zero, a 49 to seven game. You know, just like that, if, if Josh Allen doesn't have two of those turnovers. But we're finally getting the matchup that we want that we didn't get to have from the DeMar Hamlin situation with the Bengals and the Bills. 
And I, I have a feeling that the Bills are going to be able to sure it up and hold on to the football, make better decisions. Um, and, and we'll see with Cincinnati, especially now since it's in Buffalo. I mean, the one thing about that week 17 game was those first two drives, and I know it's a very, very small sample size, but the Bengals were driving, and they were driving at will. They scored on that first possession, and they were moving down the field on that second yeah. one as well, probably going for a 14-3 to lead. But, I mean, that home field advantage changes a lot of things as well. So I think I'm still leaning towards the Bills, but we'll see, man. We will see. I didn't even think about the fact that it's the Bills and Bengals just two weeks, three weeks later. Like, that's crazy. But like you said, it's in Buffalo now, so different venue, different circumstances. Uh, it'll be interesting. I, I, you bring up a great point with Josh Allen. We've made that same comparison to Kyler Murray when he runs kind of recklessly with the ball and extending it out not tucking it under his arm. And it just blows my mind. Like, I think anybody who's ever played even flag football at their school or in the park knows that you run with the football tucked under your arm. Like what, who you guys are in the NFL, man. Like, come on. I just, it doesn't make sense to me. And I get like, I think it has to do with maybe them being able to run faster or be more agile or something like that. But at the end of the day, isn't protecting the ball, the most important thing. And if you're close enough to a player where you're going to get hit, Tuck it, tuck it up. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. Once you become a runner, you got to protect the ball. But I think primarily with both of those guys, they have the ability to get out of the pocket and create different opportunities that not everybody in the league can do. So once you get out of there, you still kind of have it within your pocket, like you're you have the ability to throw, and then you might see a lane, and it's more so kind of just a subconscious thing. Like instinct just to, to put it to, down. Just get in the stride and not really tuck it. I, I mean, those guys that. aren't running backs for a reason, right? But <laughs> it is a frustrating aspect, and I just hope that it doesn't cost the Bills at the end of the day because pretty much every game you can if – if there is a bet that there is going to be a Josh Allen fumble on DraftKings, I'm taking that bet, <laughs> and I'm putting freaking $100 on it probably every week. That's bad. That's terrible. And you and you bring up a great point where the outcome of that game would have been a lot different had he not given him those possessions and with favorable field position. I mean, shit, Josh Allen had to put in work. 352 yards passing and three touchdowns. I mean, I know 31 to 34, that's a pretty high score, but making it harder on himself when it when he turns it over like that. As long but I think to to speak on the coming matchup against the Bengals, I think as long as he can hone that in a little bit and control the possessions, it might be a closer matchup that, that the bills have a chance at. Oh, excuse me. Yep. It's going to be a fun one. And I'm really happy that we, that we're finally going to get to see this one come to fruition this year. It's just unfortunate that it's not <laughs> the AFC championship. We're probably right. going to end up seeing the chiefs in there again. I mean, Jags are, the, the, an incredible comeback, incredible uh, come from behind win, but I just don't think they have the horses to keep up with Kansas City. And my goodness, can we get uh, Patrick Mahomes to play a game somewhere either than Arrowhead in the playoffs? <laughs> that's why it's too easy. That's why at this point I'm kind of hoping that the Bills win because then it's going to be on that neutral site. So then we might be able to <laughs> knock him down. 
uh, well, you know, I think the only one of the only people to beat him in Arrowhead is is Tom Brady. And to transition into our last game, ooh, that Monday night game against the Dallas Cowboys was a rough one to watch. And we we have a lot of valley ties there as well, right? You know, Byron Leftwich is offensive coordinator. Um, Todd Bowles is their head coach, and I think it was a miracle that they made the playoffs. Uh, obviously, their division was super weak, but they just looked completely out of sorts offensively all year long, and it showed in this game on Monday. Yeah, dude, uh, thirty-one to fourteen. Tom Brady had sixty-six pass attempts, dude. That's literally that's twice as many as Dak Prescott. Um, do you, I think those could be his last sixty-six pass attempts ever? Is is it time for Brady to go? He almost he flirted with it last season. I I'm still on the fence where it's like he still has the ability with his arm. His arm has held up right differently than Peyton Manning, but his legs just aren't with him anymore. And and you can tell once he starts to sense that pressure early, he's going even more towards his checkdowns now, even with his time with the Patriots. Cause that seemed like it was a lot of their scripted game plans as well. But you know, when Mike Evans is kind of your main deep thread and Chris Godwin just wasn't the same. He's gone through so many different injuries. Julio Jones is basically kind of like AJ Green. They're just at the end of their uh, careers, you know. Right. You're going to get one kind of good catch a game out of them. And, and I, I was very impressed with what Dak Prescott did. He controlled the pace. He kept going down the field. He found Dal- Dalton Schultz, his – his favorite tight end multiple times in the end zone. And, and that defense is is kind of humming. So I think this Giants-Eagles matchup this upcoming week is going to be a real fun one as well. We'll see how they'll be able to contain Danny Dimes if he does get out on the run a whole lot more as well. But, you know, I, I just I – can't, I can't have the Cowboys win and make the Super Bowl, Chris. I just can't. I can't do it. Uh, I I can't I just can't stand the Cowboys, man. And I have some friends who are Cowboys fans, and by and large, they're obnoxious. So we just need to not have the Cowboys <laughs> be successful, in my opinion. And they're another one of those teams where it's like I know it's, it's changed now because what is it? The Patriots have six, seven, six, six. Patriots have six Super Bowls. Steelers have six Super Bowls. Tommy Boy has seven. Tom has seven, though. So yep. Tom has more than any franchise. That's impressive. Yeah, more more than Jordan. Well, so and I made a mistake here on the game. So it's actually Giants Eagles and then Cowboys 49ers. So we oh. might not even have to worry. I mean, the, the 49ers. We'll see. But I, I think we're getting close to that. We're getting close to that matchup for Brock Purdy. If he's really going to be able to hold up, I know. San Francisco 49ers have the best defense in the league for a reason, numbers-wise. Right. But, you know, like what happened last week, he started off a little shaky and did finish strong, but Cowboys are a different animal than the Seahawks. And if they keep going even further, the Eagles are definitely a a different animal. So Mm -hmm. we'll see. We'll see. Definitely going to be tuning in to the playoffs this weekend. 
very excited uh we're gonna have some maybe content uh that super bowl weekend where it's the u.s or i'm sorry the waste management uh people's open and the super bowl weekend on one i know we were talking with vsp tallman about maybe getting down to the the golf tournament there i know i hate to keep promising you guys content but i just i'm, I'm too i'm a too much of an open book you know mike like i'm very excited about it I want to tell the people what we're doing it's funny i did i did mentioned the vegas trip a couple times prior and the only content we put out from vegas was the talman ticket it was the talman ticket but hey we had a lot of things going on man it, I mean, we did <laughs> um it was a short okay, trip too. right it was a short you, trip too right you sometimes you just got to throw that line out and reel it back in just a little bit see who's biting but i, I told you guys i would definitely want to go to the phoenix open so we'll see what kind of content we can make out of there and I'm sure as the playoffs continue, we'll do kind of some more discussions in regards to what's going on in the NFL playoffs because not only are we Valley fans, but we love we love the sports. We love football, and we just love the action of the NFL playoffs right now. This wildcard weekend was definitely one to remember. But, Chris, if you're ready, I'd love to hop into some Cardinals news and stay on the football train here. With the hiring of the new GM, Monty Ossenfort, um, I believe he was kind of a director of player personnel with the Titans, spent multiple years with the New England Patriots, and is a fresh face to this organization the first time that they've gone outside of the organization for a GM hire since, I believe, 1994. So Michael Bidwell... He did the right thing, which I, I hopefully I'm speaking for you here, Chris. I know I'm speaking for Tallman here. He they, he did the right thing with letting go of Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime and moving into a new direction. So how are you feeling about the hiring of Monty Austin Ford so far? Yeah, I've been uh, I've been really impressed. I mean, we did talk real briefly there at the beginning about his press conference and about how he wants to have this new culture of um professional well oh, fuck i miss it messing it up what was it that he said um he more disciplined i think was the word um because it's true we've saw we saw and we even said that cliff kingsbury he, as much of you could say he was a player's coach he was it almost seemed scared or unwilling to come down on these guys and be the hard ass and the coach shouldn't be there to make friends. He's there to win games. And you see what happens when you don't win games. You get fired and you buy a one-way ticket to Thailand, never to be seen or heard from again. <laughs> and that's what Cliff Kingsbury did. Um, I mean, I, I can't say I blame him for not wanting to take any jobs because as long as he's not taking a job, he's still getting paid for the next five years. And I've also heard, I was listening to the radio, they said that he's a pretty savvy uh, business guy and has invested his money well. So he probably doesn't even have to coach again. And quite frankly, uh, that's probably uh, what he should do. Um, but if he goes and coaches somewhere else, that's not my problem. But back to your question about Monty, I do, I, I like it. And and for a lot a lot more reasons than just him personally, because we'll get to know Monty Austin for it. We'll see what kind of guy he is, what kind of personnel he can bring in. But I think just what the hiring of him symbolizes for the organization and Michael Bidwell firing Cliff and letting Kime go. You, I, he got fired though. Let's let's not sugarcoat it. He he said, you know, you're either resigning, walking away, Kime, or I'm firing you. And I, I, you've been here so long, you've been a part of this organization for so long that I'm going to let you do it gracefully. I mean, they talked even about in the press conference that 
this is a family run business, if you will. And as much as you can see the NFL and all these teams as just one giant corporation or company, it really is these each team is individually owned and operated to some extent. And it's been in the Bidwell family for its entire existence. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but the Cardinals being one of the oldest franchises going back to Chicago and St. St. Louis. St. Louis. I, yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So I think what it symbolizes though, is that Michael Bidwell is willing to sacrifice the money and pay Cliff that dead money for five years. He's willing to part with Kime, a guy that's been with the organization so long. And on top of it all, He's willing to interview multiple candidates and find someone that is a good pick. Cause I don't think I was trying to remember, but you remember the dreaded Steve Wilkes hire. I feel like that was a pretty rushed process from what I remember them not really doing too much to interview uh, a larger pool of candidates. Is that right from as far as your memory serves? Yeah, because that came, you know, on the tail end of Bruce Arians telling them that he was hanging it up. So yeah. it was kind of a rushed process and they needed to get somebody in here. But you know, we saw what happened. He lasted a year. Um, I, I think that was the time frame where we really needed to do the hard reset and we should have let Steve Kime go at that point as well. But, you know, sometimes you got to wait a little bit for uh, the good things to happen in life. <laughs> um, but, you know, so far... I'd say that Monty is saying all the right things, right? You know, Buddha Baker symbolizes everything that we want this franchise to be, to be 100%. I mean, consummate, oh, yeah. professional, all pro level guy, multiple Pro Bowls, and a team, team first guy. I mean, dude, the guy almost broke his ankle and he was back like in two weeks. Like he's back on the practice field 10 days Crazy. later. That doesn't happen if you're just kind of a coasted guy and you're thinking about and you're thinking about yourself. He wanted to be out there for his team. And one of those other things that you mentioned, I think, earlier, too, is that we're checking the ego at the door. Right. And read into that what you want. Are we throwing shots at people? I don't think so. I think you're just trying. He's coming in to set the tone right away. Right. We're going to be different. We had all these off-the-field nonsensical issues that were in the limelight either than the play that was on the field. We're going to keep things in-house. We're going to focus on winning in the trenches and utilizing our skill players but giving them those opportunities to actually make plays. I mean, Kyler Murray was running for his fucking life all year long and pretty much his entire time with Cliff Kingsbury, it seemed like. So this whole franchise and this whole team needed a hard reset and there's just a handful of guys that are on this roster that really are untouchable and that's even to say i don't even know if it's more than three guys because we're already starting to talk about what's going to happen with deandre hopkins i think uh DraftKings has him listed at plus 2000 for the cardinals to be the next team that he plays for so if you got some expendable money and the Cardinals haven't made any moves yet, I mean, that's probably some good cash that you could make. But, you know, we've already talked about the capital that the Cardinals would have to hit, I think, $7 million if they did trade him. But with what Michael Bidwell has done with the eating of the money from the firings, I think he understands that he needs to rebuild this culture and start retooling things. So I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see DeAndre Hopkins. But I like where we're starting. 
it's just a breath of fresh air. He seemed a little bit nervous <laughs> in the, um, you know, in his press conference, but this is basically kind of his first time being the guy, being in the limelight. You know, he spent right. his, his 22 years behind the scenes, being a scout, you know, player personnel guy, not really in front of the cameras, but I think that he's doing the right thing to start at least. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like you said, I was just going to say it's his first time doing it. He's never been a GM before. So that, that is a little bit, um, I think, I don't want to say scary, but something that where we should take all the positives with a grain of salt. Uh, I think he has the credentials that lead me to believe that he has the potential to be a good GM, but he's never been a GM before. So there's only time will tell, I guess. So I, I guess that leads me to wonder then if they're going to bring in a seasoned like head coach, somebody who has head coaching experience, or if they're going to bring in a new head coach has never been a head coach to grow alongside Monty and kind of have that, that camaraderie of being fresh in the position. Uh, Cardinals rebuild incoming says Chevin. Oh no. Uh, does that rebuild involve getting rid of Kyler? Is Kyler going to be patient and have the right attitude about a rebuild? That's hard for me to imagine. I mean, at this point, like we said, I mean, either than the guy that he literally came out and said, this is the guy that we want this franchise to represent, yeah. anything's on the table. I mean, Kyler Murray is not a Monty Austin Fort guy. He didn't bring him in here. Um, but I think that you have to give him an opportunity because at the end of the day, Kyler is a special talent. When he's healthy and he has his legs going, his ability to scramble and, and his ability to make good decisions you know, can put him in the top 10 of the quarterbacks in this league. But like we said, going back to what I just said is he's going to have to start checking his ego at the door because hopefully this new regime comes in and kind of puts their foot down and says, hey, you can't shout, calm the fuck down at us anymore or else your ass is out of here, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but going back to your coaching uh, question, Chris, I, I think it's going to be a mixed bag at this point. You know, we've seen all the GM positions that were available filled now so these teams are going to start doing their interviews and and things are going to start happening probably pretty fast probably start next week uh there's a couple of the names that are listed so far uh that the Car cardinals have interest in right um frank reich um he i believe he had his interview today um i i don't know how you feel about that one i'm not too Fond. I know I think he coached for four years with the Colts as the head coach. Um, but he's a guy who was recently fired. And sometimes it's kind of kind of an odd situation. Yeah. Um Brian Flores uh used to be the Dolphins head coach recently with Pittsburgh. Uh, he actually just did an interview with the Falcons for their defensive coordinator position. Um, uh, but right now he's listed as the favorite on DraftKings Sportsbook as the next possible head coach for the Cardinals. Really? Uh, mm -hmm. Then you got guys like Aaron Glenn. Um, D'Amico Ryans is the new flashy name that a lot of people are starting to throw out there now. You know, 49ers defensive coordinator. Uh, the interview is reportedly scheduled for this week. So maybe tomorrow, maybe this weekend. Um, and then... Last but not least, I think has gone down to the very bottom of the list is Sean Payton. Um, there's just no 
there's no word of an interview to be scheduled. I think that the Cardinals reached out to the Saints to try and set something up, but we haven't heard anything. And, you know, he already met with Houston. Uh, he met with Bron the Broncos on Tuesday in L.A. And he has a meeting set up with the Panthers. And then the Sports Illustrated uh, published a story by Zach Kelberman that was basically stating that it seems like everything is lining up for the Broncos to hire him. So, unfortunately, Tallman was right. Not like on the tickets, but this time he might be right. And I guess the last guy that I have to say is Vance Joseph. He's getting an interview, but my God, Chris, we cannot hire in-house. This I think all needs to be a fresh reset. Yeah, it, that would be. I think that would be a step in the wrong direction. Yeah, Chev uh, brings up Flores. Uh, would make sense with the relationship he has with Monty. They, they were together on the Patriots staff. So two guys that are familiar with what it takes to win a championship and you can, you, you can mock the Patriot way all you want, but I think there's something to be said for it when they have six Super Bowls in 20 years to show for it. I don't think any other team has done that or even come close to it. Uh, so that makes sense in that regard. Uh, Flores scares me a little bit just from the dramatic exit from Miami, but there's some some you could argue that wasn't his fault. I don't exactly know exactly what happened there. Uh, regardless, he he has kind of you know like you said recently with the Steelers helped out in that capacity. I think he had more of a minor role. It wasn't like a major coordinator position or anything like that. But like glad to see him getting other opportunities out there. Uh, to talk on Sean Payton, some of the things that I heard uh, again, this is just maybe hearsay. I don't know if it's 100% true. I don't have the the stat, the proof in front of me right now, but they, I heard that the Saints weren't even granting teams permission to speak with Sean Payton unless they already had agreed to the terms it would take to get Sean Payton. So if that's true, then that means the Cardinals were already comfortable with the price or comfortable knowing the price at least to be willing to want to request still request the permission and put it out there that they did request to speak with them so that either tells me that maybe sean payton's already de decided where he's going to go next and so there's no point in interviewing him or maybe it's just a timing thing and we just haven't heard about when that interview is going to happen uh maybe it could happen in the beginning of next week but like you said teams are going to want to start moving pretty quick i'd imagine with the draft just a couple months away uh, after the season ends and things move quickly in the off season there's a lot to do it's very very hot under the microscope these last you know like I keep saying 10 or so years, it seems like the, the with social media and the internet and the way information is now disseminated, uh, it's a year round thing now. The NFL doesn't really have an off season like it used to. So I'm going to be curious. I still have, I it, with all, that being said, all that being said, I still have hopes that maybe we could get Sean Payton. I think that would be a great fit because he's a guy that's expressed interest in working with Kyler Murray. So even though he's not a Monty guy, he could become a Sean Payton guy and Sean could adopt him from Cliff Kingsbury, who is now in, in Thailand being a neglectful father. But that wasn't his choice. He was kicked out of the house. We're not going to hold it against him. Oh, Chris, low this analogy is terrible. I know. Low blow. <laughs> uh, I know that there were some rumblings about Monty and Sean Payton having some Bill Parcells ties. Um, oh. But then uh, Bo Brock of PHNX Cardinals, who is also kind of a beat writer and reporter for the Cardinals, he was there and asked him if they had any ties or had any kind of conversations. And he said he just hasn't had the opportunity or come across uh, Sean Payton. So they they don't really know each other. Um, uh. But, you know, I, I think that 
It would depend, right? Is Sean Payton worth uh, a first-round pick? Is he worth $20 million a year? I mean, after the inept leadership that we've had over the past couple of years, I think so. But it's also it also shows that this roster is a little bit damaged and needs a, a, an overhaul and a complete rework. I mean, this entire offensive line right now is filled with veterans and you know, two of those position guys probably aren't going to be back next year, Justin Pugh and Rodney Hudson. You know, you know, you're going to need all the draft capital that you can get. And the truth of the matter is, you know, when it comes down to us doing predictions for next year, Chris, there ain't no way that I'm doing 12 and five again. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be crossing oh. my fingers for six wins. If that it's, it's, it's going to be well, kind of a reset and a rebuild, especially if you don't have Kyler Murray for the first six weeks. It's like kind of like the same thing when you don't have DeAndre Hopkins. Now, obviously, Kyler Murray matters more for the offense, but it's just that key piece that you don't have to start the season. Can you really fight through that? And it depends on the leadership that you have in here at the end of the day. No, absolutely. And and we keep throwing around, it, se- it seems like a big buzzword lately, is the culture, the culture. But how quickly can you change a culture? Can it happen before a season starts? I know, I think that's kind of what they were hoping for with Cliff, and that's why I think they probably signed him long-term thinking this is going to be the season when it really starts coming together because we have all this talent. We have Kyler Murray now in his fourth year or whatever the hell it was. And so all this should start coming together and coming into their own and this to have all the air taken out of it just right away. Really, man. Like I never was really at all optimistic. Maybe, maybe week five is when all the wind finally left my sails and, and it wasn't even the lowest point of the season. The rest of it, we just laughed about. I mean, we were talking to VSP Tallman's father, who was featured on TikTok. Um, and I think, was it him or was it Sean? I can't remember. We were talking to one of the, the Tallman family members. And he was just saying, yeah, it was Sean. I'm sorry. It was Sean. He was telling us that he just basically didn't care, win or lose, didn't care at all what happened to the Cardinals this season. And he's a diehard Cardinals fan, like going back. So for him, him for us, for all of us to just, be so defeated and now like like Michael Benjamin is saying already no optimism for next season praying for six wins um I just don't know okay I'm not saying no optimism right I always have optimism for my teams I always want to hope for the best and that kind of stuff but you know Chev brings up another good good point you know Brian Dable he comes in and changes the culture within one year and you know they're they've won a playoff game Uh, I'd love I'd love to win a playoff game Chev, I'm sure that you'd love the Bears to win a playoff game too. But, I mean, maybe with the number one overall pick, you, you guys will be there really soon. Uh, but I, I just don't know when you do a complete overhaul, right? Because we don't even know what this entire coaching staff is going to look like. Is right. Vance Joseph even going to be back as defensive coordinator next year? You know, we're, we're going to have a whole bunch of different guys in here. Can you cultivate that culture and come into training camp really strengthened and get guys to buy in early. It's just time will tell and we'll, we'll see. So I'm going to be excited to see who Monty brings in. And and at the end of the day, I'm proud of Michael Bidwell. Yeah. Right? It, I'm proud of him. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. Like I, like I said, it shows that he's serious about winning and, and willing to make these hard changes that are going to cost him money. And even like DeAndre Hopkins, people really, you know, whine about the, the dead cap space there, but it's just necessary things. 
You are correct. Double doink. Oh, <laughs> too, soon. too soon. Too soon. Too soon. But no, I, I just, I think like I was saying about how, how quickly you can change a culture and you, you know, not, not that you're not optimistic, but that we're not really hoping that, or we're not really hopeful that it'll be any better next season. But what I, what I'm thinking though, in bringing up our optimism this season is because we did have a lot of talent on the roster. I know we're not going to have JJ Watt next year, but there's still a lot of talent. I mean, you like you said, Kyler Murray is a talent. These younger guys, the the Rondell Moores, the Greg Dorches, these are guys that are Trey McBride even showed flashes of being uh, potentially a good tight end in this league, in my opinion. So you still have these pieces. If you get the right coaches in there, the right scheme, maybe it could be a quick turnaround. Maybe you, we, we can see eight, nine, dare I say 10 wins next season. If Kyler Murray's in the right system with the right guy calling plays and, and really buys in. But again, I, we can't put it all on the, on the upper management. What kind of player is Kyler Murray going to be when he comes back off of this injury, along with having to learn a whole new system and get integrated into that? It's, it's really going to, going to be a lot to, that we're going to have to see, but that's all. It's all in due time. I think my last thing is, you know, I'm crossing my fingers because unfortunately they're starting to become a national, a national perspective of Kyler Murray and what, what kind of person he is. You know, you get the call of duty jokes, you get the, the fiery rants, you know, yelling at your teammates and your coach on the sideline and you get the homework clause, right? That's kind of what's built into him. Yeah. He won an offensive rookie of the year. But he hasn't won a playoff game. He's only taken the Cardinals to the playoffs once. And, you know, Chris, we were talking about this the other day. We're already seeing guys like Trevor Lawrence get their first playoff win under their belt. You know, Brock Purdy, a freaking rookie, Mr. Irrelevant, is getting and Brock a playoff Purdy win gets on, a playoff under win. his belt. I know there's different circumstances, specifically with Brock Purdy, but guys like Trevor Lawrence who come out and are number one overall picks are starting to cement themselves early as some of the best in the league. Daniel Kyler Jones, Murray's dude. starting to get there. He's been in this league for a while now. I know you're coming off a major injury, but you got to come out and something's got to be different, my guy. You know, something has to change. And I think it's going to be the perfect opportunity for him to find that next level of not only as a ball player, but as a professional and as a leader, because that's what we need him to be. If you're getting paid $258 million. Yep. Yes, sir. So I hope Kyler Murray recovers quickly. I hope he takes the rehab seriously. Um, And we're going to have a close eye on him, man. You know, I've been one of Kyler Murray's biggest critics, and I will continue to do that uh, through the offseason and into next season. But Mike, have you been seeing the Suns game that's going on right now against the Nets? Apparently, Aiton has a double-double in 13 minutes. No. Yeah, this about right now. He's at 17 points, 9 rebounds. So he's Ooh. getting there. Getting okay. there. All right. Um, Our boy man, yeah. Cam Johnson's back, right? Cam's back. Cam's back. It's 65-51 at halftime uh, as we're recording this live. Just some some thoughts looking at the stats because I'm, I'm obviously not watching the game. But uh, Saban Lee, who he signed to a 10-day contract, I think about 10 days ago, um, scored nine points uh, in just 12 minutes in the first half. So he's making an impact. Like you said, Cam Johnson's back in 10 minutes. He's already got 13 points. 
So his his impact impact being felt earlier and often. And I just got to call out. I'm sorry. I need the floor, Mike. I need the floor because I was getting real upset going on Twitter, going on Reddit, maybe not so much Facebook, but going online and seeing Suns fans talking about the Suns need to tank. We need to send, we need to mail it in. We need to bench all of our guys. We need to give up now because in the beginning of January, before we're even at the all-star break, we're having a bunch of wussy Suns fans crying that we're barely a 500 team. We're not even a 500 team right now, but excuse me, Excuse me, do you remember when we weren't even winning 24 games in a season? All of you fuck off, man. Like, Chris Paul is injured. Devin Booker's injured. Aiton's been in and out. Cam Johnson's been out. So now we see just getting Cam back, what an impact he has. Granted, granted, Kevin Durant isn't playing in this game. But Kyrie's out there, man. And the Nets have been on a roll the past month or so. I'm just saying, y'all need to grow a backbone and understand what we have here in this Phoenix Suns team. Are we the contenders we were two years ago? Are we the season's record-setting team we were last year? No, we're not. But I have faith in this team's ability to make those adjustments. Yeah, Chris Paul's not the same player, but we get these guys healthy, and we're going to be right in the mix for the playoffs. End rant. Mike, you out the floor. I love it. You know, how many times have we come on here and said, you can't use injuries as an excuse? You know what, Chris? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it if you want. When you don't have four of your starting five and a guy who has been a primary weapon for you, maybe not all the time on offense, but just a consistent player and presence in Jay Crowder. And, you know, your backup point guards hurt. You know, Josh Okoge almost breaks his nose. Landry Shamit's not playing again. And he's had good spurts as well offensively. You can't win games in the NBA if you don't have your players. Like, that's just what it is. So to completely go tank mode when some of these guys are going to be coming back shortly. I mean, we Cam Johnson's back tonight, already making an impact, like you said. Devin Booker's being reevaluated on the 23rd. He might be back by that Toronto Raptors game that you might be able to win tickets to. <laughs> follow, follow us on Instagram. Sorry. Go. Shameless plug. And, you know... You, you don't have Chris Paul, who is still a guy who can rally the troops and get everybody involved. It's just really hard to stay in any of these games. And that's what we've seen these past this past month and a half. I mean, we've got our asses kicked early and often <laughs> a lot of these games. So it's nice to see a change of pace with a, with a halftime lead. We'll see if they can squeak it out here. But this is no time to just shut him, shut him down. I mean, Devin Booker is going to be back, and he was playing at an all-NBA level once again, right? And Monty Williams, I'll give him some credit. He has been trying his best with his lineups to put guys in, in better situations and trying to figure out what works. But when you have that many guys hurt, it's like trying to put a square peg into a round hole. Like, it's it's not going to work. So yeah. we just got to get some guys back and, and hopefully right before the all-star break, maybe we can get some momentum going into that and go on a run and be in the play-in tournament. 
I'll take that at this point. Playoffs, baby. Yeah. It's got to be playoffs. Any, any way to get in. And I'd like to not be in the play play in tournament. That makes me well, a little obviously. nervous. But, <laughs> but you know, I'll take what I can get. Any way we can get it. But, no, you're absolutely right, Mike. You, we I think it's fair to blame the injuries, especially when it's your top guys. I mean – you can in the NFL, they always say next man up. In a lot of sports, they say next man up. But the NFL has a 52 man roster. In the NBA, you have a 15 man roster. So if five of your guys are out, that's literally a third of your team. How are you how are you supposed to operate? These are the best players in the entire world playing in this league. So having five of the best players on one of the best 30 30 teams in 32 teams? 30 teams. 30, 30. teams in the league. It's just ludicrous. And so these fans who I don't even understand where that logic is coming from, because we still have one, once these guys come back, we're going to have all of February, all of March and all of April, I think, or most of April. And that's a ton of time to get back in the mix. And, and like I said, we're barely over the halfway mark for number of games we're going to play this year, not even at the all-star break yet. So take a deep breath. I'm going to do the same. I'm going to calm down. It's going to be all right. Having Chris Paul out there, like I said, he has been a different player this year. But one thing he can do is control the pace of the game, which is something we've desperately needed. I mean, Mike, you've seen the way that this team can just be lost at times, chucking up three-pointers like they have no direction in life. Like wayward children at the park who all they do is get the rock and chuck it at the backboard and hope a three goes in. It's just just crazy. So going to chill, going to calm down, and going to see what happens. I mean – Four or five days from now, like you said, D-Book's going to get reevaluated. I'm sure he wants to get back out there. So if it's an option, be sure that you'll see him back out there. I mean, heck, even this morning, I think I saw a report that they were flirting with the idea of bringing Chris Paul back tonight. So he's right around the corner from coming back. So honestly, that game on the 30th, we could have a full squad ready to go. I mean, a full squad minus Jay Crowder, of course. Let's not be crazy. (laughs) Oh, uh, we're going to talk about him here just shortly. Uh, but you're you're exactly right, Chris. Calm. I'll pull Kyler Murray. <laughs> Calm the fuck down, people. Relax. I mean, right now it is a two and a half game difference between the fifth and the twelfth spot in the Western Conference. We're still early enough that there is plenty of moves to be made and resetting of the seeds. Uh, is is a top four seed really plausible at this point i mean i don't know it really depends on how fast you get back to full strength and if you can just really hold the hold the tide you know stem that huge wave right now i mean and stay stick around right around 500 right and we're 21 and 24 it's not our favorite thing and exactly i mean the difference between five years ago and this year was we were having to start Archie Goodwin and guys like that and, um, oh, my goodness, Josh Jackson and guys who sucked. But that was our roster. That was the only guys we had. I mean, Josh Okogie and Damian Lee and Bismack Biombo have to play because they're the only guys we have. <laughs> like, our second unit is all we have right now. Um, but don't give up hope yet. Don't give up hope. A little well, and I, I, I just want to say I get where they're coming from. I mean, we've lost twelve of our last fourteen, and I know I hate opening up the app or watching the game every day, seeing another L on the scoreboard. I'll be honest; it's been hard for me to watch these games. I mean, I really want to because we come here on here and talk about it. Of course, not not a, even 
to mention the fact that I'm just a huge Suns fan and love watching these guys, but it's hard, man. It's been tough. So I can sympathize with the people who are throwing in the flag, but just, just chill. Just calm down. Calm down, buddy. It's going to be okay. We going to be all right. Mike, mm-hmm. Jay Crowder, man. Are we getting rid of him anytime soon? So what some reports have come out and said, it, it, it sounds like uh, the front office has not been shy. They've been on the phones. They've been reaching out to everybody. It's basically saying that guys aren't on the table and that Phoenix really wants to make a move. So James Jones hasn't been just sitting quiet in the corner, hoping, hoping that things turn out okay. He's trying. Um, he's holding He's holding on to hopefully I've- have the best – interest in regards to what kind of piece we can get back because here's the other thing here chris matt ishbia his turnover is coming up shortly and ishbia already came out today and he said he doesn't have a problem sending a first round draft pick to someone to get a piece so we can make a push those are uh, it depends where you go i think those are good things to hear because you also understand this window, this championship window, championship windows in general are normally kind of short, right? You have a couple of years to capitalize. And especially with Chris Paul being sure. older, kind of at the end, you know, I, I cross my fingers, hopefully not, but he's completely <laughs> not the same guy. But, you know, with this unit, what we have, this this is a great chance to still kind of make a run. And that Sutton's finals run, you know, we had things – fall our way as well right you're not going to say that that it was all perfect and they were just playing completely perfect basketball no right. i mean Kawhi leonard didn't play in that western conference final you know we jamal murray was out for the denver nuggets so i understand that but this is kind of like this is james jones opportunity to make sure that he has a job as the general manager once um Matt Ishbia takes over because once again he's not Ishbia's guy and if he comes in he 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 could clean house and say hey you you stood on or you sat on your hands for too long didn't make a a move or anything while this team was in dire need of help uh we got to get somebody else in here who will at least try and make a move or get something done within that time frame yeah, I, I could totally see that. And I think it's a valid question, too, because a lot of people are starting to wonder. I, I've been a big James Jones guy. I've had faith in the man. Uh, he hasn't made a ton of decisions that I'm too unhappy with. But it is curious. Like you kind of say there, sitting on his hands, what has he been doing? Why hasn't a move been made yet? And even in the offseason, the only acquisition we made was signing Josh Akogi. Uh So you, you sign Josh Akogi and you somehow burn a bridge with Jay Crowder. It's just curious. Um, and again, I've heard, I've seen those reports that Robert Sarver still has to sign off on any trade or any, some specific type of trade. So maybe it's as soon as Ishbia gets to take over, we can pull the trigger, but is that going to happen before the trade deadline? And if that were the case, why wouldn't he just come out and say, yeah, we've been, we've wanted to make a trade, but unfortunately Robert won't sign off on it. So until new ownership takes over, there's nothing we can do. Because Sarver's already not coming back. So what's he worried? I don't think Sarver could fire him. I, I don't know if he has the ability to make decisions like that right now. 
Uh, it's just a lot of questions that I don't know if we'll ever have the answer to, but I did uh, catch this article that came out today. Um, NBA trade rumors, Miami Heat have a standing offer for Jay Crowder. I'm like, are you curious what the standing offer is? I got to know it. Who are they let's, saying? Let's see here. It's for, it would likely include Caleb Martin. And I thought I saw Dwayne Dedman was part of the deal too. Does that sound right? Dwayne Dedman? The center? Yeah. What does it say? Uh, Miami, let me, let's just read it real quick then. Uh, with the hefty list of names that have been involved in trade rumors with the Miami Heat, there is one that continues to surface. Jay Crowder, the disgruntled 3 and D power forward, has not pleaded all this season for the Phoenix Suns. That we know. As he is held out until the trade is completed, Miami, though, seems to still be at the front of rumors ahead of the upcoming NBA trade deadline next month. So, as you see here, Heat Nation have a standing offer Jay Crowder, which likely includes Caleb Martin. Uh, so this is a little different. Miami is due to make a move to bolster this roster if they can't get their hands on a big name like John Collins or even D'Angelo Russell. So okay, maybe oh, – here we go. Here's what I saw. Um, if Phoenix still continues to have no interest in a swap like that, another deal is rumored to include Caleb Martin and Dwayne Dedman to match the salaries. Oh, so, yeah. but, but the main standing offer is – Duncan Robinson for Crowder straight up. Oh, okay. There we go. I got to read. I should have kept reading then. So Duncan. So what do you, how do you feel about those players then? Dun, Duncan Robinson, I guess is maybe slightly interesting. He's a, a three, a, a kind of similar to Jay Crowder. You could say a three and D guy, right? Uh, or more just I mean, a three guy. Uh, <laughs> a three and a, a very little D guy. Um, He's a good shooter. Are you saying Duncan Robinson has a little D? I'm not saying that at all, Chris. You're the one who's put that out. Um, I got to know, though, what's his contract? I think that's kind of where the situation has a route. Has a route. See, he signed a five-year deal, $90 million. Um, that's not money that I want to take on. I know Jay Crowder's only making $10 million right now, but that's that money is leaving uh, – whether he gets traded or not, because uh, his I think his contract expires here shortly. Um, that I don't know if that's money that I want on the books. Is he a guy that you could count on to play 30 minutes and contribute the same way that Jay Crowder did? Because that's another thing. I mean, as much as we hated on Jay Crowder in the playoffs and his inconsistency with his offense, he was a piece of the cog that kept the engine going, right? He did his yeah. job and he made his shots – when he needed to sometimes but you know he was a good player for us and he was a starter is Duncan Robinson a starter I don't think so and I know that we don't need a starter back because Cam Johnson has taken that spot but I want True. some comparable in regards to if we needed to he could be a starter and play 32 minutes a night yeah I think and I think that maybe is I've heard some of that talk where they want someone who's going to be able to play significant minutes like a starter because Jay Crowder was a starter for us. And we, like you said, we do have Cam Johnson now who's filling that role, but still a guy who could give you 25, 30 minutes a night. And in case of a injury, go play 35, 40 minutes when needed. What, what, who, what kind of guy is that? I mean, I think Duncan Robinson kind of does fit that mold, but taking on that kind of a, like that many years on a, that are on a contract that he, I don't know how he Duncan Robinson fits into our long-term plan. I see, I see us probably getting a guy that's going to be here for a year or two and then move either go into free agency or move on some other way. 
Uh, maybe, maybe though, maybe James Jones doesn't see it the same way, but I feel like it's easier to get guys that are a fit for your organization through the free agency than it is to try and hope that you can make that fit work through a trade. Cause it's not like they're going to get to, to have any type of interview or vetting out process with, with any of these guys they're trading for. They're kind of, it's more or less a shot in the dark. I get, like I said, NBA, smaller rosters, more of a tight knit community. You can, I'm sure James Jones has a network of people he can talk to and get a feeling for these guys. Of course, their players talk, you know, players talk to each other before games, after games, there's a large community. So it's, I wouldn't say it's hundred percent blind and I'm sure guys like Devin Booker and Chris Paul are talking to James Jones, talking about guys they would like to play with. Um, we'll see. I it's just curious to me that not a deal has been, a deal hasn't been done yet. And that there have been a ton of rumors swirled out there. It's not like this Miami heat rumor with Duncan Robinson, Dwayne Dedman and the like are the only things we've heard. It's been Pacers. It's been Lakers. It's been Devin Booker going to the Lakers. It's been all sorts of crazy mess, but something has to get done. I don't really care at this point. I just want to see it get, I've, I've said it before. I just want to see it get executed and put to bed. Um, I don't, I don't even care at this point what happened between Jay Crowder and the Suns. All the cryptic bullshit, though, it's just a dark, a dark cloud over this team that we don't need right now. Sooner rather than later, my friend, that day will be here. I promise you. That's <laughs> that's the next notification I'm waiting to get. We got BG home. I got that notification. Uh, now let's get Jay Crowder out of here. We got we got BG back. Let's get Jay out of here. Send Perfect. him to Russia. No, no, I'm just kidding. Don't send him to Russia. <laughs> well, Chris, I think I, I think I'm ready to call it a night. We talked some NFL football. We talked about the new GM for the Cardinals, Monty. Yep. Another Monty in the Valley. Talked about the Suns. Hold the line. Stay strong. Stay strong, Suns fans. We're gonna be all right. But I'm ready to rock it. If you are, man, you want to send us off. Yeah, man, you've, you nailed it. We, I, I know I ranted and raved, and there's plenty more of that I'm going to be doing this year. Uh, this was our first live stream back. Mike, just the, just the two of us. Tallman will be back, though. Uh, we did our first uh, – we did our January uh, Heat Check uh, podcast, so that's up on the, on the streaming platforms. Like we said, if you made it this far on the video, if you're watching back and made it this far, we love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and being part of Valley Sports Plug. Thanks to Chevin for – joining us in the chat. We do want to make this an interactive experience when we're doing these live streams. So the more of you that tune in live, the more you can get your comments read and really help steer the conversation. I mean, if you guys are pitching in thoughts and things that we can talk about, I'm sure we could go all night and I even still could go all night, but it's just, it's just more fun that way. I think in my opinion, and I'm really excited for the year ahead, but Mike, I'm getting tired. Uh, we're going to be back at it next week with probably a round table or something. We'll figure it out as well as another Suns recap. So make sure you're following us. Make sure you're entered to win those Suns tickets so you can go to a Suns game on the 30th. But for Michael Benjamin and the Valley Sports Plug family, I'm Chris Patrick, and we'll see you next time. Peace.